Okay, we are going to be continuing our series, Magnify, Big Truth in the Little Letters of the New Testament. We are going to be in 3 John today, 3 John. If you need to use the index, go for it. But if you get to Revelation, just go back a couple of pages and you'll find the letter of 3 John. I'm going to read the uh, entire 15 verses, and so if you want to follow along uh, either on the Bible app or there's, if you've got a physical copy there, we'd love for you to follow along. Here is 3 John. It says this, The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your effort for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Now, I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, how he's talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who wants to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon. We will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. So this is the letter, 3 John. It's another personal letter. Just as an aside, it's kind of odd to me. I've never really thought about it before, but why this letter is not called Gaius because when Paul wrote to Philemon, we call that letter Philemon. When Paul wrote to Timothy and Titus, it's called Timothy and Titus. But this is called Third John, not the letter to Gaius. It's just interesting to me. But it's a personal letter. And we're going to walk through it here in a second. But just to summarize a little bit what's going on, the elder is the Apostle John, who wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and the book of Revelation. He's writing to a particular person named Gaius. Now, we don't know what, what Gaius's station was in the church, whether he was a leader of a house church or whether he was just an outstanding member. But what we do know is that Paul wrote to say this, you have received a great testimony for how you showed hospitality to the brothers who were traveling through the region for the sake of the name. And he's saying, well done. Well done. All the reports we hear about you, Gaius, are great, are good, and we appreciate that. But there's something else that happens here in that he 
is also calling out another individual in the church, Diotrephes. And he says, Diotrephes likes to put himself first. And he goes, and I will address that when I come and see him. <laughs> that's, that's fun. That, I find that interesting, actually, because John is known, uh, as our guest speaker last week talked about, as the, uh, the love disciple, the disciple known for love. But John is saying, sometimes you got to give tough love, and I'm going to have to confront Diotrephes. And then at the very end, he says, now we are also sending a great report and testimony about Demetrius, and so receive him well. So there's these three guys that are taking place. Now, one thing that you should know about this is 2 John and 3 John are kind of like, uh, this crowd will know what I'm talking about, on an old vinyl record when they released a single, you had the A side and the B side, right? 2 John and 3 John are sort of the A side and the B side. They're sort of talking about hospitality and, and receiving one another from different angles. If you remember last week, 2 John, it was when people come in who are against the name, do not receive them, do not give them hospitality. And in this passage, he's saying, I affirm the hospitality that you are giving to those who are partnered in the name. So A side and B side. There's some great A side and B sides. I, I just Googled it just to, for fun. One of the top... A-side, B-side combinations was Elvis Presley. Let me make sure I get this correct. On the A-side was Don't Be Cruel. The B-side was Hound Dog. It's pretty good. That's a pretty good A-side, B-side. Um, you also had uh, the Beatles in their American release of the A-side, I Want to Hold Your Hand. The B-side was I Saw Her Standing There. Pretty good A-side, B-side. Um, for those that like the Beach Boys, A-side, wouldn't it be nice? B-side, God only knows. Those are some great, great A-side, B-side. How about this one? For, for those that that's not hard enough for you, how about Queen? All right, the band Queen, A-side. We are the champions, the B-side, we will rock you. That is a great combination as well. As great as those combinations are, Second John and Third John, A-side, B-side. We looked at the A-side last week, so here is the B-side. So what's happening in this book, I sort of mentioned it in, in summary, but in your LifePoint outline, John is commending Gaius for his partnership in the gospel. He's denouncing the selfishness of Diotrephes, and he is recommending Demetrius to the church. If you want to know just what is actually happening, he's commending Gaius, denouncing Diotrephes, and recommending Demetrius. So with that, what is the main application? I would say this. The main application there in your outline would be this. God's kingdom stands above all personal kingdoms. God's kingdom stands above all personal kingdoms kingdoms. See, what you have here is John saying, Gaius, you are partnering with God's kingdom, and I commend you for it. But there is one, Diotrephes, who is putting himself first, and he's refusing the authority of the brothers. He's actually keeping other people 
from showing hospitality to these missionaries that are coming from the church. He, he is not only doing that, but he is kicking out of the church those who want to show hospitality to these people. He is building his own personal kingdom. And he says, but here's another one, Demetrius, who is also all about God's kingdom over personal kingdoms. Does that kind of make sense? That's sort of the, the idea. We see this a lot in sports. Many of you, it actually brings me great joy to see all the, the jerseys and the team representation across the room. And if you missed the memo, we'll do it again next year. All right. Uh, but, but yeah, in sports, we see this a lot. We all can probably pinpoint athletes who are all about themselves rather than the team to the detriment of the team in many cases. Um, I could list some of those, but there's no point in doing that. But I did see something this past week on the other side. And I have no idea whether this uh, athlete is a believer or not, but in the NBA championship this week, the Denver Nuggets defeated the Miami Heat. And there, the, the Nuggets' star player, Nikola Jokic, he's from Serbia, and when as soon as the, it's his first championship, and as soon as the buzzer was over and they won it all, the first thing he did is he went and found every one of the Heat player and coaches and shook their hand. Just sportsmanship. Went around to all of his teammates and coaches and said thank you. His brothers came out of the stands and, I mean, it was just a, like a child celebrating with his brothers after all this time. And when they finally got a chance to put the mic in front of his face to say, how did you do it? How does it feel? He said, we got the job done. Now we can go home. <laughs> in the press conferences, they, I mean, he was the finals MVP. Many thought he should have been the league MVP this year. He had the most points, assists, and rebounds in league history in a finals. And they were like, how did you do it? Tell us about it. And every single time he would point to his teammates. This was a team effort. Our coach did a great job. That's the kind of person you love to have on your team, isn't it? Someone who recognizes I contribute, but it is all of us contributing. When it comes to faith, there's no room in God's economy, in God's kingdom, for personal kingdoms. It's his kingdom. And we all do not point any of the spotlight at ourselves. We only point it to him. And we share with the church, his church, together in that. That's what this is about. So there's a couple of traits. You've kind of got this chart there of the different traits you see between Gaius and Diotrephes, the God's kingdom and the personal kingdom. It, it sort of reminds me, anytime I make a contrast, I can't help but think of like going to the dentist office when I was a kid and getting the Highlights magazine. Anybody remember? You know what I'm talking about, the Highlights magazine? And you go in there and you flip through and there's this comic strip, apparently it's been around for a very long time, called Goofus and Gallant. You know what I'm talking about, Goofus and Gallant? It's like Goofus, um, like I, I just Googled some, some of them and Goofus is the one that responds poorly. He's got the traits of responding poorly, and Gallant responds well. And so there was one where Goofus says, I wish I didn't have a little brother. And Gallant says, I love my family. You know, it's just like sometimes it makes you just not like Gallant. But, 
There was one, it was like goofus, makes noise, playing the drums while mom's trying to take a nap. Gallant, mom's sleeping, let's play quietly. But it's different, right? You see, it's a contrast. So in this, we have God's kingdom versus personal kingdom. So the first line there, you have truth versus lies and gossip. Notice at the beginning of this book, John begins by saying things like, you walk in truth. The testimony about you is that you are a man of truth, walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. Gaius, you are a man of truth. But then when he starts talking about Diotrephes, he says, I'm going to have to confront him because he is talking all these lies and spreading malicious gossip about us. And I've got to deal with this. One of the ways we can tell whether we are part of building up God's kingdom versus our own kingdom is out of our lips, are we truth or are we lies and gossip? See, there's something about Diotrephes that wanted to tear down John and, the, and, the, and the, those brothers that came to Ephesus where this letter is likely received because he wanted to be built up. Somehow they must have been a threat to him. And so he spread lies about who they were, what they were doing to build up his own and to preserve his own personal kingdom where Gaius was one who walked in truth. So this past week, this last month, this last six months, have you been a person who has been building others up with truth? Or do you find yourself constantly speaking negatively about others in order to preserve your own kingdom? Gaius or Diotrephes? The second would be this on this, on this table. God's kingdom is represented by the trait of hospitality. Personal kingdom is loves to be first. Gaius is commended. He says, you received, the report about you, Gaius, is that you received these brothers, and I love this phrase, those strangers to you, meaning these are not people that Gaius knew. All he knew is that they came probably with a letter from the Apostle John saying, hey, they're there to work with the name of Christ in your church. Would you house them and show them hospitality? And Gaius did. It's, it's maybe the first recorded Yelp review of a stay at an Airbnb. Because John says, the report from the brothers was that you treated them well. You were hospitable. To be hospitable is to put other people's needs ahead of our own. We're probably familiar with the, the phrase from, and I'm blanking on it right now, the, the, the former president that said, um, guests and fish both stink after three days, right? This, the indication is like, you know, after a couple of days, guests need to move, move on. It's, it's too much. Odds are when Gaius showed hospitality, it may have been for months, because you make a, a journey of hundreds of miles. There's no frequent flyer miles. <laughs> You're going to spend significant time there doing the work. And Gaius showed continual 
hospitality, provided them lodging, provided them food, provided them security, provided them um, sort of the connections into the community, others first. But Diotrephes, John says, Diotrephes, who loves to put himself first. God's kingdom, a trait of someone who's all about God's kingdom is putting the needs of others ahead of our own. Someone who's worried about a personal kingdom is asking the question, what do I get out of it? How does this make me look? What does this do for me? That's not God's kingdom. That's personal kingdom. Gaius, Diotrephes. The third block there would be this. God's kingdom is marked by gospel partnership. Personal kingdom is marked by isolation. Isolation. One of my favorite phrases in this passage is in verse 8. It says, therefore, we ought to support people like these, meaning these missionaries, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Here is what Gaius recognized, and this is what John wanted to make sure that he recognized, and, and then God preserving this letter for all of us to recognize. When we partner with people doing the work in God's name, it really is a partnership in that we share, we share in the result of that work. Meaning, when, when any of you in this room give um, your tithes and offerings, when any of you give just a general tithe and offering, a percentage of that tithe and offering goes to international missions. So if you give a dollar, a part of that dollar is going to international missions. In fact, at our Southern Baptist Convention this past week, they commissioned around 50 international missionaries, which means this, when you give, you are partnering with missionaries around the world and their wins in the gospel are your wins are our wins because we recognize we are in a partnership for the truth. Gaius understood when I give hospitality, I am playing a role with these missionaries and their victories become gospel kingdom victories, which are my victories. Where Diotrephes refused to provide hospitality, and anyone in his circle that wanted to, he told them not to. And then anyone who did it anyways, he kicked out of his circle. He was an isolationist. If it's not for my kingdom, why are we even doing it? That's what Diotrephes would say. Why would we partner with these guys? That's not what we're about. You, no, no, you don't partner with them. Don't let them stay at your house for these couple of months. Oh, you did? Well, you're not welcome here in our house church anymore. It's isolationist. It's important that we recognize we are not individuals responsible for everything in God's kingdom. We are a part of the church, both locally and globally. So when we send missionaries, when we host teams, how we partner with them matters. It is significant. It's God's kingdom or it's a personal kingdom, Gaius versus Diotrephes. All right, the next one is this, trusted with others, God's kingdom characteristic, or requires confrontation. 
trusted with others or requires confrontation. To Gaius, at the very end, John says, because you have been faithful with the past brothers, let me send a recommendation to trust you with another brother, Demetrius. Gaius, please receive Demetrius. Here is the testimony. Because remember, this is the B-side of last week. He's saying, we can give you testimony that he stands for the truth. You can well receive him. He is someone worthy of partnership. And John even says, we give our personal endorsement. And you know our personal endorsement is true. We trust you with Demetrius. Diotrephes, he can't do that. He says, when I see Diotrephes, I can't trust him to send anybody. I'm going to have to confront him because he's not about the kingdom. He's about his personal kingdom. So a question would be this. Are you trustworthy to be handed someone to care for in the gospel? If we have a new believer who comes to our church and they need to be part of a life group, are you someone and is your group someone that we can say, will you look after this person? They're new in the faith. Please receive them well. We need, we need you to care for them. Are you trustworthy that when we hand that person or that family that you'll be a Demetrius where we'll say, that, yeah, the report is good. You can trust them with the work of the ministry of others. I bring that example up specifically because of this. I've mentioned it before. I and our staff cannot, it is impossible for us to minister to every person who comes through these doors. In fact, if I tried to minister to every person who walked through these doors, I would fall into a diatrophies situation of building a personal kingdom where everyone has to feel connected to me or feel like I'm the, he the spiritual hero in their life or the mentor in their life, when in fact, that's why God's given us the whole family of faith. That we can go, man, and I know a group that you would be, that will take such good care of you. And then when somebody from our office calls and says, hey, we've got a family, a couple, a single, they're coming to your class this week, or they, they want directions to your house, would you reach out to them? We need to know that we have Demetrius and Gaius that will pick up the other end of that phone call and be trusted with the work. Does that make sense? We can't call Diotrephes because he will spoil. He will have a personal agenda Gaius, Diotrephes. The last one, God's kingdom imitates what is good. Personal kingdom imitates what is evil. In, uh, in verse 11, beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. That kind of can seem like just a random like John going, all right, I've dealt with the personal stuff. By the way, do good, not evil. But what he's saying is in the context of hospitality, imitate what is good, the partnership, God's kingdom, what you're already doing, the walking in the truth, and don't imitate what Diotrephes is doing. I'm concerned he's not seen God in the way that he's acting because he is more concerned about his personal kingdom than God's kingdom. So imitate 
what is good. I think about this with, you know, particularly with all these jerseys. Um, as dads, as guys, many of us grew up, if you, if you love sports and grew up loving sports, not every guy loves that, but I did. And there were so many athletes in my driveway that I would imitate. My, my favorite baseball player growing up was a guy named Fred McGriff because he played for the Atlanta Braves. And I would stand in my driveway and practice swinging like Fred McGriff. Big problem was he's a lefty, I'm a righty, but I learned. He would stand very upright, very, uh, you know, quite at the, uh, the back edge of the batter's box, lean over, stiff as a board it would look like, but he would swing so smooth, and then at the end he would pull the bat around like, and I would just practice all day. You know, like in basketball, um, you know, one of the guys, obviously there's Michael Jordan, but there was another guy, especially during Michael Jordan's brief retirement, um, Hakeem Olajuwon, who led the Rockets to two championships, and he had that sweet, like, go one way, turn around, fade, drop. I, I shot 10,000 of those every summer, just wanting to be like Hakeem, right? Like, we know what it's like to imitate. And as we sit here today on Father's Day, let me just say this. Dad's in the room. Granddad's in the room. Imitate what is good because our kids and our grandkids are watching. Imitate what is good. Imitate what it looks like to be part of God's kingdom, not personal kingdom. And when they imitate that, not only are they better off, but the kingdom of God is better off. All right, let's move to the next part here on the back. A secondary application, I'm going to move kind of quickly through these. These are just things that didn't fit naturally in the other, but they're just too good because who knows when we'll come back to 3 John. Secondary application, correct doctrine leads to proper expressions of Christian love. Correct doctrine leads to proper expressions of Christian love. John begins the entire part. Again, side A last week, side B this week is this idea of truth. He says, Gaius you are a man of truth. The, word, the truth testifies about you. The brothers testify about you. Meaning this, when we have a correct understanding of who God is, we will express properly those actions of love. In this case, doctrine means truth of the gospel, truth of what it means to partner, not personally, but in God's kingdom. And Christian love, in this particular instance, is hospitality. What does it mean? What does it mean for you and I to show Christian hospitality to one another and maybe even to others? We live in a world more and more isolated from one another. So let's just go specifically with an inward focus for a moment. Many of you in this room grew up in Lufkin, Texas, not all. Many of you grew up in, in Lufkin or in this region, um, and I'm thankful for that. This is a great place to live and to grow up, and I'm thankful to be raising my kids. But I'll just say this. We've heard this from a number of people. People that move into Lufkin find people very friendly but hard to become friends with. So what does it look like? us at Harmony Hill as believers in Christ, when families come to our church to play hospitality to them, to bring them into our homes, 
so that they are not just seeing that we are friendly, because that's just a southern characteristic, but that we are willing to be partners and stand side by side by inviting them into our homes to be friends. That's just a secondary application. Correct doctrine leads to proper Christian actions of love. In this case, was hospitality. Second insight would be this. I love this. Would the greeting of verse 2 be a blessing or a curse to you? I've thought about this all week. I love this. So pay attention in verse 2. John is writing again specifically to Gaius, and he says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes with your soul. Now, that's, a, that's sort of a common greeting, the first part, like the health well wishes of a letter of this day, even today. But John twists it in a very unique way and says, Brother, I pray that your health would be as good and in good report as your spiritual life. <laughs> and then he goes on to say, because I have heard great things about your spiritual life. You partner in truth. You've been hospitable. You've been partnered. And so John is essentially saying, I pray that your health is as good as your spiritual life. But if we were to just sort of take that out of the context for a moment, and if I were to say to you, brother or sister, I pray that your physical health would be in alignment with your spiritual health. There might be some of us that would be like the Wizard of Oz, I'm melting. <laughs> if your physical health, and it's not, was tied to your spiritual health. It's interesting. Now, Paul is not making a health like uh, just believe it and it will happen. What he's saying is, I really am commending you for your spiritual health, and maybe it is the fact that Gaius was not well or ill, and he's saying, hey, I hope that you return to physical health to the strength it is of your spiritual health. He's not, he's not making I'm just sort of bringing it out going, but what if that was the case? What, what if I were to say, I hope your physical health is as strong as your spiritual health? See, we focus so much on physical health sometimes to the negligence of our spiritual health. I just thought that was an interesting concept. Maybe somebody needed that today. How about this? Last one, insight. I love this. No greater joy than to hear of children walking in truth. It's one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. On a Father's Day, there's probably no greater truth than to know that your children are walking in truth and no greater pain that some of us in this room have than to know that our children are not walking in truth. And we pray that God would make them prodigals that return to faith. And I hear that. I, I want you, I'm not glossing over that. I know that's a real pain today for some in this room. But John says there's no greater joy than to hear of children walking in truth. Now, that is both true physically as far as our family units, but it's also true for John from a spiritual sense as a pastor. There's no greater joy than to hear that my flock, that my children, my spiritual children are walking in truth. He's saying, Gaius, you have brought me incredible joy. The reports I'm hearing back from the brothers that stayed with you are filling up my tank. I have so much joy. 
And I just wanted to share a, one of the, I'll just say this, and, and then I'm going to wrap, but one of the great things that I have discovered about stepping into the lead pastor role is the number of amazing stories I get to hear of our people walking in truth. And it brings me such joy. And I just want to share a few of these. Just to end, number one, many, many may not even know we have this, but uh, I think she's here because her husband won something earlier. Miss Tammy Oliver. Are you, are you here, Miss Tammy? Where, where did, right back there. This sweet saint and, and many others are responsible that every time we have a funeral here at this church, she and an army of people, I'm assuming there's mostly women, but there's maybe some men that love to cook, but they bring an army of food to the LOC so that families who are hurting can have a meal after their service. Well done. Brings me great joy every time I hear that. And for all of you that do that, there's a young man. Um, this, so two weeks ago, I believe it was, they were coming home from a Six Flags trip, the student ministry. And you would think, you know, it is what it is. Students, Six Flags, hot, sweaty, etc. But there was a young man named John Hicks who shared the gospel with another young man on that bus. And a kid, a middle schooler, went from death to life on the bus coming home from Six Flags. Brought me such joy. Such joy to hear our children are walking in truth. Absolutely. Um, one of our life groups, I could, I could go on and on, but um, one of our life groups not that long ago, uh, led by Amber Cortinas, a report came back to the church office of how she and her group have been loving women on Wednesday nights in such a way that it has been bringing life to them. And I just want to say, well done. It brings me great joy. That's a Demetrius handoff when we're doing that. So well done, Amber. I think of, uh, I see his family here, but Jeff Little. Jeff Little was telling me a story not that long ago. He was on a business trip and forgot his driver's license, so he couldn't rent a car. And on the way back, somebody from the business trip was having to bring him like an hour to the airport, ended up sharing the gospel with a coworker on the ride back because they said, there's something different about you. That brings me such joy to hear our children are walking in truth, even though he's probably older than I am. And then right here, my man Baldo down here, a couple of weeks ago, told me, I met this young man, young single guy, and he didn't know anything about discipleship. And this guy right here on Monday nights at his own home had this young man over and went through a discipleship program and even printed him a certificate to say, Man, you are now ready to go make disciples yourself. That made me proud. Well done, Baldo. Well done. There, there's, so, there's so many others, and I, I know I'm, I'm lengthy on time, but for this service, I also want to say this. The Schaefer's back here. Raise your hand, guys. Today is their last Sunday with us as the Lord is leading them to Memphis uh, for, for Micah's career. And I want to mention that because they have invested so much in our music ministry, our children's ministry. So, I mean, there's probably not an area of this church at some point they have not touched. Now, I didn't want you to think they got voted off the island, but I just want to say thank you. Well done.
And here's what I believe I know, because you got family here. We're going to be able to hear stories of how you're continuing to walk in truth in Memphis, which sounded like an Elvis song for a second, <laughs> right? Hey, there's no greater joy than when our, when our people walk in truth because they're not about a personal kingdom. They're about God's kingdom. And I pray that for every single one of us today. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to be dismissed. I apologize, children's workers watching on TV, I apologize. But let's, let's go out and have a great day. Happy Father's Day. Father, thank you. Thank you for who you are, that we partner with each other for those who serve for the name of Christ. Lord, I'm thankful that we are a church, that we have stories to celebrate of our people walking in truth. Lord, may we be a church built around your kingdom and not personal kingdoms. Would you raise up Gaius and Demetrius in our group, and would you confront in a loving way any diatrophies that they may too turn, repent, and be part of your kingdom's sake? Lord, we love you. Again, you are our ideal Father, our heavenly Father, and today we honor you most of all. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.